Hey, everybody. Come on in. Come on in. You made it to the right place, the best place. Of all the places you could be in the virtual world, you found the best one. <laughs> Pretty darn good. So congratulations to you for having a morning that's starting out with success. If you'd like to keep the string of successes going, and I know you do, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tank of gels, or stein, a canteen, junk, or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid I like, coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better except the temperature in Texas. It's called the simultaneous sip, and it's going to happen now. Go. I was wrong again. It's actually getting warmer in Texas after one sip. <laughs> one sip, and it's already getting warmer in Texas. Can you believe it? I know. I know. It's amazing. Well, let me tell you about the coolest news. <laughs> I don't know why this news uh, just really speaks to me, but there's something about this story that I just love. So there was a company that uh, repaired gondolas, you know, the little uh, enclosed car that you, you take up a ski slope on the, uh, on the ski lift kind of thing. So they, they repaired gondolas. And at one point, for no particular uh, plan, they decided to start buying up uh, gondolas in case there was ever a reason to use them for something. That's right. There was a company in the United States who was buying up uh, used gondolas just in case they come up with some reason to use them. And then the pandemic hit. And then they turned them into outdoor dining pods. And they're the coolest freaking thing you've ever seen. How much would you like to eat in a gondola that just happens to be like on a city street? Pretty good. It's pretty good. Now, when the gondola is enclosed, you better be with the people that you've been um, socially isolating with. And I can't. I don't know how easy it is to clean them between customers, but yeah, people just love it. There's something about the idea that's just, I don't know, just speaks to us somehow. But the best part of the story is, is somebody was buying up gondolas just in case they were needed, but they hadn't figured out what to do with them yet. I mean, you, you can have the best plans and ideas all day long, but if you don't have luck, you probably don't have a successful business. And talk about luck or instinct. Maybe it was not luck. Maybe it was some kind of a hunch that it was likely that they would be used, and they were right. Over in India... The infection rate, uh, and especially the hospitalizations, have plummeted. Plummeted, I tell you. Yes, India is having, for reasons that nobody quite understands, and that's the key to the story, they don't know why coronavirus just plunged in terms of infections and hospitalizations. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say because they're secretly using a different drug, like hydroxychloroquine or uh, ivermectin or remdesivir or something. So you're thinking to yourself that the real story is that they're treating it better, but not according to India. Uh, India is not saying, yes, we're having good success because we treat it differently. And you know they would, right? If India were doing something that, that... is somehow different, and it had this gigantic... So it's a really big effect. Like, the the infections just drop like a rock. If they were doing that intentionally because they did something different than other people are doing, we would know about that, right? We, We would know. And they don't know. So India themselves doesn't know why things just turn positive. Now, what does that tell you about our total scientific understanding of the coronavirus? Because they're not the only ones that are showing a sudden drop. 
apparently there are other... The United States is actually having um, a good time at the moment. Nobody knows why. <laughs> yeah, here it is. It didn't take long for somebody to say hydroxychloroquine is used in India. That is not the reason. Independent of whether hydroxychloroquine works or doesn't work, and I think the evidence suggests it doesn't at this point. Early on, I think you could have called it a good risk management decision to try it because the downside was so low. But at this point, we wouldn't know if it worked. (laughs) There's no way we wouldn't know by now. So I think you have to assume it doesn't work or doesn't work in a big way. But in any event, if, if India were using it and it worked and it was getting this big result, we would have seen the result a long time ago because they've been using it for a while. And secondly, they would tell us. They'd say, oh, this is the reason. It's, it's obvious. Wherever we give this, we get good results. So it's not the hydroxychloroquine. I, you know, I can't prove that, but it seems obviously it's not because it's also not anything else. Everything that you say about India that makes it special is irrelevant because it's not the only place it's happening. Right? So as soon as you're saying to yourself, what's different about India, you're already on the wrong page because it's happening here too. And it's happening in Europe. Nobody knows why. And it's not the vaccinations because there are not enough of them to get this kind of a result. So... And here's something that uh, people mention to me every now and then. Apparently, the Spanish flu also had an unexplained dip or more than one, I think. There might have been more than one unexplained dip. So we don't know why the Spanish flu exactly went away. Do we? I don't think we know. I don't think it was herd immunity. I think it just sort of went away. And... This is telling me that there's some gigantic variable about this virus that we don't understand. If I had to guess, it goes like this. And I think, well, this is not my guess. I think somebody else said this, and I just read it somewhere, but it sounded right. My guess is that, there, that certain people are just more susceptible. So if you take a population of 100 million, there might be 10 million who could ever get it, and then they do. And then the other 90 billion are ones that wouldn't have gotten it, wouldn't have spread it, would not have had bad symptoms, had some natural immunity. So we, we make the assumption that you know, all humans are sort of equally you know, likely to get this thing. It's, maybe that's just not true. Maybe there's just a small population that could be affected. And once you blow through 70% of them, maybe it slows down. Maybe. I'm just guessing. So somebody says it's the God variable. Hey, I don't have a better idea. So every time you say, uh, follow the science, I'm going to say, how come the science doesn't know why the virus is decreasing? How do you follow the science? Exactly what would I be doing differently if I followed the science? All right. Um, I have a suggestion that everyone who donated to the Lincoln Project, they need to get one of those conservatorships like uh, Britney Spears has. You know, Britney Spears isn't allowed to handle her own money because the thought is people would try to take advantage of her. So her father and now some professional third party is going to work to handle Britney Spears' money. But I feel as though anybody who donated to the Lincoln Project might need a little help might need a little help identifying scams because Rob Reiner, for example, I understand, gave money to the Lincoln Project. I don't know how happy he is about that investment. (laughs) Somebody said, hey, but they said they would beat Trump and Trump lost, so it was still a good investment. To which I say there was a study that showed it made no difference. And they only spent uh, a minority of their funds on the advertisement now, we don't know where the rest of it went, which makes me want to start my own political action committee because if you can get massive donations and you don't have to report what you're doing with it, well, that's a pretty good job. 
I thought I had a good job. I mean, I do. My job's pretty good. Most people would trade places with me, be a cartoonist, draw a few little stupid comics, make a living. Yeah, you would all do that if you could. But you know what's a better job? Yeah, being on the Lincoln Project, having people give you massive amounts of money, and then just keeping it. (laughs) That's way better than my job. That's how you get that generational wealth that Steve Schmidt allegedly talked about he was getting from the project. But how can you, how can you argue that the people who donated to it need a little help? Because they, they put money into a grift. They didn't know it. If they had asked me ahead of time, Scott, do you think this is a good place to put our money? I would have said, um... No. <laughs> How about, no, it's not a good place to put your money. So I could be the conservator for, uh, for Rob Reiner. I could, I could have helped him avoid that problem. I'm here to help. Here is a really interesting story. Allegedly, Trump's uh, lawyer, uh, Schoen, S-C-H-O-E-N, he's the one who debunked the fine people hoax at the, uh, the failed impeachment the failed impeachment. And we found out that he only found out the fine people thing was a hoax the same day he was preparing his defense was the first time he knew that the fine people thing was a hoax because of the way it was edited. That was the first time he knew. Just let, just absorb that for a moment. Just sit there and think about that. How well-informed is somebody operating at this level in society? Really well-informed, wouldn't you say? Don't you think that any of the attorneys that you saw defending or trying to prosecute the president, wouldn't you say it's fair to say they're all really well-informed about the news and world events? I think that's fair to say. Very well-informed. He found out that the biggest story in the whole frickin' country was a hoax that day. That day he found out. Now, how'd he find out? <clears throat> how'd he find out that day? Was there anybody who was making a lot of noise that day? <laughs> yeah. You know, I was one of them. But, you know, Joel Pollack, Steve Cortez, I think Greg Gutfeld was mentioning it. So if anybody was, uh, and I know uh, Don Jr. tweeted at least one of my tweets on it. So I know that, that at least social media was trying to correct that story. I know that in at least the case of Don Jr., there was a direct connection to the, you know, the people who needed to know. I feel like, I feel like we did that. I feel like we did that. When I say we, I mean that includes all of you. So it's not just you know, Joel and Steve and, and Greg and, and what I did. It's not, it's not just us. Without, without those being boosted and retweeted, it doesn't go anywhere. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of you who, who retweeted any of that content. You actually made a difference. You know, it's, you, don't, you don't see many situations where you can trace... I think you can. I mean, you could be, we could be wrong, right? It could be that he got it from some other source. Or he just looked at the video himself and, and realized what happened. That's possible, too. But I think it's more likely that all of the noise on the Internet f- penetrated that bubble. Wouldn't you think? If, it, feels like, it feels like we made a difference. So if you watch these... Um, these live streams, and you say to yourself, what difference does it make? Well, maybe this is an example. I don't know for sure, no way to prove it, but it feels like it. It feels like it. feels like we made a difference. So congratulations on that. Um, Let's talk about all the fake news. Uh, starting with this, have you seen on the internet, there's a video of a helicopter de-icing windmills. And the, the joke on the meme that's going around 
is that the helicopter, of course, is you know, powered by fossil fuels, and the, I guess the de-icing stuff is actually made from fossil fuels, and then they're pouring it on uh, a windmill that was made by fossil fuels. Now, the purpose of this meme, of course, is to show how ridiculous and uneconomical windmills are, and damn it, all the problems in Texas are because these windmills... Uh, got iced and stopped working. Is that the news that you that you saw? How many how many of you think that the following statement is accurate? That there are millions of people who don't have power in Texas during this cold snap because the windmills got frozen and stopped working. In, in the comments, how many of you think that is an accurate, true statement of the news? that millions of people are without power in Texas because the windmills, in particular, froze. That's everything you're seeing, right? On, on the Internet, that's what you're seeing. Is it true? No. <laughs> it's not fucking true. It's not fucking true. What's true is that all of the power sources had problems. The wind, the, the wind had problems. The gas production had power, had problems, because something in that flow froze as well. It wasn't just the windmills. It was the whole, the whole uh, grid and every way that they produce electricity was impacted because shit froze that wasn't supposed to, fro- to freeze. And nothing was hardened against it. Now, I first uh, f- learned of this from a green promoter, uh, Keaton Joshi, if I'm pronouncing it right, on Twitter. And he said, this is a straight-up lie that's guaranteed to go viral, talking about the helicopter de-icing the windmill. He goes, uh, whether it's from climate deniers or from people who think you can just reduce demand, the picture is from a test of a helicopter de-icing system in 2016. That picture of the helicopter... De-icing a windmill? Fake. It's from 2016. It has nothing to do with Texas. And here's the second part. Modern turbines in sub-zero climates have inbuilt de-icing systems. Wait a minute. That's fake news on top of fake news. Did you catch it? Did Did you catch the clever fake news on top of the fake news? So... Keaton is saying it's fake news that these windmills need this kind of external de-icing because, quote, I'll read his his exact words, modern turbines in sub-zero climates... Does that describe Texas? Is Texas a sub-zero climate in your mind? Do you think that the Texas windmills have internal... Uh, de-icing systems, and were they all installed after 2016? Fuck no! (laughs) Fuck no! Do you you have to be an expert to know that this is a lie? Or incorrect? I I won't say a lie. No, it's obviously fake. So it's fake news that the helicopter was de-icing the windmills. It's fake news that the windmills were the main source of the power loss. It was all the different power losses all the different power sources, and this guy who's calling out the fake news added his own fake news on top of the fake news that Texas would be expected to have internal de-icing systems, which would suggest that their windmills were placed in the last five years. Seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. I mean, some of them, sure. Uh, Or that that when they were installed, they included the de-icing technology, because I don't know that Texas would have been considered a sub-zero climate, right? Now, fact-check me on that. Fact-check me on that, because I I may have something wrong. But I'm pretty sure that it was uh, fake news that got debunked by more fake news. The truth, as far as I can tell, is that these Texas windmills probably did not all have de-icing built in, probably did need some external help or just wait, I guess. And it included the other you know, gas and other sources. 
Somebody mentioned nuclear, but that would only be if there was something in the, the transmission part of it after the energy was created, which is possible. All right, here is another fake news. This one from Axios and then uh, boosted by Fox News. Now, how many of you remember that I predicted, I've been saying this for years actually, that most fake news comes from whichever news uh, group is out of, uh, out of office? So that when you've got a Clint, let's say a Bill Clinton in office, you'll get more fake news from, say, Fox News. If you've got a Trump in office, you'll get more fake news from CNN. So it's the opposition that creates most of the fake news. So I predicted that with Biden in office, you would see more fake news from the right. Um, it's a little too early to know that I'm right, but here's an example of it. All right. So, and when you see how you've been fooled, it will give you a little bit of empathy for how easily the, the viewers of CNN are being fooled. Because if you watched CNN or you saw this tweet or you watched Axios, you saw fake news. And here's the fake news. Um, according to uh, Axios, uh, they re- reported in a tweet that Harris said there was, quote, there was no national strategy or plan for vaccinations. And, quote, we're starting from scratch. So that the we're starting from scratch part gets pulled out and then they fact check it. Uh, Are we really starting from scratch with vaccines? And then they go to Fauci's uh, claim uh, much earlier that we were not starting from scratch. All right, so the reporting is that Harris says we were starting from scratch. Here's the exact quote in the tweet. We're starting from scratch. We're starting from scratch. That's very clear, right? If she said the vaccination program is we're starting from scratch, we have Fauci denying it and also common sense denying it. You can observe. You don't even need to check the news. You and I observe they're not starting from scratch. That's clearly fake, right? But did Kamala Harris actually say that? Did Kamala Harris say what Axios reports and Fox News boosted? We're starting from scratch? Is that a true quote? No, it's fucking fake news. Do you know how they created the fake news? They cut off the rest of what she said. Have you ever heard of this trick before? That's what brought you the fine people hoax. They cut off the rest of the context. Do you know how you got the Covington kids hoax? They cut out the context. Do you know how you got the president wants you to drink bleach hoax? They cut out the context. And how did this one get created? They cut out the fucking context. So it's not the other side that's giving you fake news. It's all of them. It's all of them giving you fake news. Here is the real quote. Um, She said uh, there was no stockpile of vaccines, Harris responded, when she was asked about this by Axios. She said there was no national strategy or plan for vaccinations. We were leaving it to the states and local leaders to try and figure it out. And so, in many ways, that's the part that they left out, in many ways, we're starting from scratch on something that's been raging for almost an entire year. Now, If you take out the part in so many ways and you turn it into an absolute, we're starting from scratch, you've changed something that was reasonable and true and even gave an example. She gave the specific example that under Trump, the states were responsible for the distribution and what they're doing is making it a national strategy. The national strategy did not exist. So they started from scratch. And when asked, she said, in many ways, and I would say that would be many ways, starting from scratch for a national strategy, whether you think it's a good idea or a bad idea is separate. But I would would rate her statement completely true, absolutely, unambiguously, completely accurate and true, that in many ways we're starting from scratch because she just gave you a gigantic example. And that clearly qualifies as something they're starting from scratch. Now, keep in mind, 
that she's speaking as a politician, so there's a little, there's a little spin and hyperbole on this, right? To, to, to say that they're starting from scratch is maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, but she gave you a specific example that is true. There, there was not a national strategy. They created one from scratch. So in many ways, they were starting from scratch. All right. Now, if you change that to an absolute, we started from scratch, it's a lie. If you show the context, it's totally true and reasonable. Now, I'm looking at your comments, and people are just throwing up on this. Because when cognitive dissonance happens to you, it doesn't feel like cognitive dissonance, does it? <laughs> it feels like I'm lying or I'm misinterpreting it. Or... So, so your brains are now trying to figure out how you could have been right all along when it's obvious you weren't right. All right? Some of you are going through that right now. So you're having some cognitive dissonance. You have been duped by fake news. If you, believe, if you ever believed this story, you were duped by fake news. It happens to the best of us. Don't, don't feel like there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. Uh, I was duped by the fake news about the, uh, the windmills just this morning. We're all getting duped by fake news, and it's coming from the left and the right. If you don't get that it's coming from both sides... You're, you're going to be stuck at a lower level of awareness, right? The lower level of awareness is the other side is lying, but my side isn't. That's not the world you're living in. You're not living in that world. Come up to the new world. Both sides are lying all the time, all the time. Once you get there, everything starts making sense. But as soon as you're thinking, I think it's the other side that's lying, you're going to be really confused because <laughs> the, the news won't make sense. As soon as you realize both sides are lying, it starts making sense. All right. Um, here's another one. Um, let's see. Uh, John Avalon at CNN. He's my favorite troll because he doesn't even look like a human when I see him. He has this weird uh, like demon smile that yeah, I've told you before that once you see somebody's animal, you can't unsee it. But he, he registers as a demon to me, meaning when I see him, I, I think he would be a good actor to play a demon who just came from a portal from hell, and he wouldn't even have to act. He would just have to keep that same expression because he's, he's happy but evil. Like It's hard to pull off happy and evil at the same time because he's got a, a genuine smile, there's a little bit evil. There's something going on there that's not quite right. I don't know what it is. So John Avalon, he's an opinion person for CNN, and he was going through what he calls the uh, the lies from the Trump uh, um, impeachment team. Now, are you aware that the Trump lawyers told any lies? Did, did your news tell you that they got anything wrong? <laughs> Now, I'm not aware of anything they got wrong, but I'll give you John Avalon's example. Now, watch this example, and if you get my point, it's going to blow you away. Here's my point. The fake news is so strong now that they can do this. I'm not holding a pen in my hand. Now, if you're listening to this on uh, just audio, I'm holding a pen up to the to the video here. Clearly, obviously, there's a pen in my hand. The fake news is now so strong that they can show you the pen and say, there's no pen in my hand. Watch John Avalon do it. On his show, he used as an example of the Trump lawyers lying. All right? So this is an example of the Trump lawyers lying, according to John Avalon, the demon who came through the portal from hell. And the example he gave was that uh, he said that the lawyers said that the president was not aware that Pence was in danger at a certain point in the timeline. So that's the claim. The Trump lawyer said that Trump was not aware of the danger that Trump was in at a certain point of the timeline. John Avalon shows that that's a lie. 
by showing that before that point, there had been a, a tweet or some information, I guess some information, not a tweet, that had told the president, Trump, that Pence had been evacuated. And that's what John Avalon uses as his proof that Trump knew that Pence was in danger. Watch this. I'm not holding a pen in my hand. I'm not holding a pen. Now watch John Avalon do the same trick. Pence was evacuated. Do you evacuate people to danger? Is that how the word is used? We're evacuating him from safety to danger? Or does we evacuated him tell President Trump that he's safe? Because what do you evacuate people to? Don't you evacuate them to safety? So Avalon is proving that the Trump lawyers lied by showing you that they didn't and proving it, and then telling you that the thing you're looking at that proves they didn't lie, and that Trump's first understanding of what was going on, was that Pence was safe, evacuated to safety. And and Avalon showed this pen to you and said, there's no pen in my hand. And 95% of the people who watched it didn't see the pen. And if I hadn't explained it to you, most of you wouldn't have seen the pen. Just think about that. Just think at the level that the brainwashing has reached, they can show you that they're lying, tell you that they're not, and you'll believe the telling part instead of your own fucking eyes. That just happened. That just happened. In the real world, that just happened. Now, if I had told you a year ago that this was possible, how many of you would have said, yeah, that seems possible? Not many of you. If you had studied hypnosis and I told you that this was possible, would you have believed it? Yeah, you would have. (laughs) You totally would have. Because within the realm of people who study hypnosis and persuasion, this is kind of routine. There's no pen in my hand. But when you see it, you leave that world of, uh, let's say, uh, hypnosis and stage hypnosis, and it enters the actual real world of news and politics, you have something to worry about there. That's something to worry about. All right. So uh, I guess uh, uh, I'll give CNN a compliment uh, while I'm at it. I've told you before that it's a, it's a good... It's a good strategy for uh, moder- moderating your bias. We can't get rid of our bias, but you can maybe do as well as you can to moderate it a little bit. Is to see if you can find something good to say about whatever or whoever you're criticizing. So I'm going to say something good about CNN. When they do content that is not the news, they're really good at it. <laughs> they're, they're specials about historical specials and... There's specials about you know, the country during a certain era and stuff like that. It's really good stuff. And some of their other reporting just about things that are not political, also pretty good. I recommend them. And I've told you I like Fareed Zakaria's show. It's very good. Um, and some others. Smirkanish. Smirkanish, great show. He does a good job, and he's the most uh, unbiased person on the network. So here's another compliment. They've got a story here about revenge bedtime procrastination. So it's just a sort of interesting piece. Have you heard of this? Revenge bedtime procrastination. It's sort of misnamed. It has to do with the fact that we're all uh, working hard at home, or many of us are. And if you work all day and you've used up your day and you've done nothing but bed in your house, you bed in social isolation... You just don't have enough stimulation. And you go to bed, and it's your bedtime, and you should go to sleep. But you haven't had enough fun today. And so you just can't. Because you need some amount of pleasure, entertainment, distraction. You just need it every day. And so people will stay up way too late to, to steal a few hours of not having to work 
and just looking through their phone or whatever, and then they don't get enough sleep. So apparently this is some kind of national problem, which I totally believe, because I'm feeling it myself. Um, During the pandemic is the first time I personally have ever done this, which is go to bed when it's already time to go to sleep, and instead of going to sleep, I'll watch a show on my phone and fall asleep to that instead. I never did that before. And it's, I, think, I think I'm also suffering from the revenge bedtime procrastination because I, you know, I can't get out into the real world and, and do the interesting things I would like to. So I feel like this got me too. I feel like I'm totally in this camp. I'm feeling this right now. I've done this every day. I'm just looking at your comments. I'm doing that right now. There's probably somebody in bed watching me right now, different time zone. I watched until a show until 3 a.m. Yeah, this is a real thing. So compliment to CNN. This is good content, and I appreciated reading it, and uh, it's worth mentioning. They do a good job of this stuff. Uh, I guess there's a town hall with uh, Joe Biden, of course, on CNN, because they'll ask the hard-hitting questions. You know CNN's going to go hard at Biden. Oh, yeah. Asking the tough questions. Uh, for example, we've learned uh, recently that uh, Biden likes to have a fireplace, uh, the fireplace going in the Oval Office, and here's some hard news for you. I don't know if you saw this anywhere except CNN. Uh, but Biden likes to sometimes put a log on the fire himself. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes he'll play with his dogs. He's got excellent dogs. And he loves his wife. So that's the sort of hard-hitting commentary we should expect from the CNN town hall. I think I'll watch it just to see if Biden falls apart. Because I, I feel as though CNN... Uh, CNN's definitely giving Biden a honeymoon, wouldn't you say? And I don't mind that, actually. I, I don't mind that CNN is giving Biden a, a honeymoon period where they're, they're just not going that hard at him. Although I said Jake, Jake Tapper went pretty hard, uh, very hard, at a couple of topics um, on the coronavirus, in opening schools, etc. So I feel as if CNN almost has to turn negative on Biden. Almost has to, because their content is going to require some friction, some controversy, and they're not going to get enough without Trump. The Republicans aren't doing anything, so there's nothing to talk about. So they're going to have to go after Biden, and maybe we'll see it at the town hall. Watch that and see if you see any kind of a shift. Here's a question for you. Does anybody try to keep track, and I don't know that you could possibly track this, of how many people will be killed by green technology? Because I feel like there have to be some, right? If you assume that climate change is real, and I know some of you are skeptics, but if you assume that, uh, for whatever reason, the climate keeps going in that direction... Um, ooh, bummer. Um, sorry, I got distracted. When your wife texts you, you get to check the text, right? Oh, here's a question for you. This is completely off-topic, but... Um, how long is appropriate to wait to respond to a uh, text from your spouse? Go. What is the longest amount of time that you would wait to respond to a text from your own spouse? And Now, I know, obviously, sometimes you're in a meeting or you're driving or something, so you can't respond. But if you're not, if you're not unavailable, what's the longest you would wait? Looking at your <laughs> three hours, somebody says, one hour, 12 minutes, five minutes, 22 minutes, five minutes, eight hours. Okay, well, you're not going to stay married for very long. Three hours, uh, you probably have trouble in your marriage. Uh, one minute or less. <laughs> well, I'm going to respond to Christina. There. Less than five minutes. Boom. That's how she knows. I love her. All right. I don't know what I was talking about here. 
Oh, how many people die from green technology? So let's say, now uh, we, I debunked this earlier, but let's say that part of the problem, now nah, I don't think you can blame the windmills on any of the deaths, given that the gas and other things also went out because of the wind. I think we just blame that on the weather. Forget that point. But I would like to know if there's any offset. We probably will, over the years, start measuring. We probably will start measuring um, how many people die from climate change. But will we measure how many people are saved by uh, fossil fuels? Is there a way to do the net? If there's not a way to do the net, what are we doing? All right. Um, Iran is pushing Biden, as of course they are. Some uh, militia group associated with Iran fired some uh, rockets into uh, an Iraq, a U.S. base in Iraq, and killed a foreign contractor and injured several Americans. Now, what will Biden do now that Iran has injured Americans? He's got a problem. And I don't know if this will come up in the town hall because it sounds exactly like the sort of thing CNN won't ask him. <laughs> but what is he going to do? Isn't Biden almost certainly going to have to act more like Trump did and get tough with Iran? Iran just backed people who attacked people who injured Americans, several Americans. I don't know how bad the injuries are. But it feels like he's going to do nothing, doesn't it? It feels like it. Would Iran have done this if Trump were president? Feels like no. Can't be sure. Can't be sure. But I feel like they'd be less likely to do it. I feel like they're pushing Biden to see what they could get away with. Funny story of the day, Representative uh, Adam Kinzinger, who came out as you know quite uh, anti-Trump based on the Capitol assault, uh, his own family uh, dis- <laughs> uh, so he's a re- he's a Republican, Adam Kinziger, and his own family disowned him <laughs> for opposing Trump. Eleven relatives signed a handwritten letter calling him quote a disappointment to God and Lou Dobbs. <laughs> Eleven members of his family say he is a disappointment to God and Lou Dobbs. Now, i got to tell you, I'm no religious scholar. It seems to me that disappointing God, probably a bad thing. But disappointing Lou Dobbs, a lot of you don't know, far worse. Because while God has his own heaven and hell, Lou Dobbs also has a private version. You've heard of private prisons. Yeah, they're public prisons, but then they're also privately run ones. Well, God has more of a public heaven, sort of a public hell. A lot of you don't know, Lou Dobbs has sort of a a private version of that, sort of a, it costs a little more, but you can get into Lou Dobbs heaven or Lou Dobbs hell, and you don't want to go there. You don't want to be in Lou Dobbs hell. But Lou Dobbs heaven, I hear, is very well appointed. Nice, nice design, good feng shui. I'm going to look into it. Lou Dobbs heaven. All right. I asked you on my last uh, live stream if anybody could find the origin of the Democrats saying that uh, Trump was using the, quote, big lie about the election being stolen, allegedly. And uh, it's harder to, de- to discern than you think. So apparently it's a generic enough thing that people have been speaking of the big lie somewhat consistently for you know decades. It, it comes up a lot. So it's hard to know if there was some point where there was a decision to use it or if just a lot of people spontaneously heard somebody else say it and said, oh, I'll say that too. So you don't know how much is organized, but uh, we see Bloomberg was saying it in September of 2020. We see that uh, the editor for Occupy Democrats, you all read that, right? You're, you're all probably subscribed to that important publication called Occupy Democrats. But the editor, Grant Stern, uh, he consistently used the, the big lie 
as part of his writing through, throughout 2020. So I guess it's been around, and we can't tell exactly where a decision was made. All right. Good news and bad news. Are you ready? Do you want the good news first or the bad news? The good news, right? All right, the good news first. Flying cars, finally here. Yes, for years we've been talking about flying cars. Where's my flying car? Well, a company named Terrafuego. Now, if you heard of a company named Terrafuego, what, what country would you assume owned that, or at least where do you think the, uh, the origin of that company is? Do you think it would be owned by, let's say, Mexico? Terrafuego. It sounds like Mexico, right? But I don't know that Mexico has much of an aeronautic industry. So maybe uh, uh, Brazil or uh, is, there, is there some other country in South America where Terrafuego would be? That would be a pretty good name for a, con- for a b- business that started out of that part of the world. Oh, but it turns out it's China. That's right. China owns the first flying car company, or at least the first one that will come to market. So it looks like by 2022, they'll have all the clearance they need for this thing. And it's basically a car with fold-up wings, and then you can drive your car to the airport and then unfold the wings and take off, and then fly to the next airport, fold it up, and drive to your destination. Now, uh, I happen to be married to a pilot. Ha-ha, you're not married to a pilot, and I am. Or some of you are, I guess. But uh, apparently you need some kind of a sport license that might be something from another country. I don't know if a sport license even makes sense for flying in this country. But uh, Christina, my wife, has a um, high-performance, what do you call it, certification or sign-off or something. So she can actually fly um, aerobics planes that are big engines and hard to land. They've got a different wheel structure. So if you're doing the aerobics planes, you really have to take a lot of lessons before the first time you can land it versus, say, a Cessna that practically lands itself. It's got a little steering wheel. You're just like, okay, Cessna, land yourself. But if you've got these little uh, tailwheel aerobic planes that are coming in with their giant engines, they're coming in way faster you know, uh, to the runway, you need a lot of skill to, to grease the landing, as the pilots like to say. Christina apparently has that skill, so she could... Be a pilot, I think, for one of these uh, flying cars. So imagine this is actually a thing that could happen by next year. Just think about it. This, this could literally happen next year, that I could walk downstairs to my garage, get in my flying car with Christina driving, drive to my local airport, which is 10 minutes away, uh, Livermore Airport, drive directly onto the tarmac, contact the tower, put your wings down, fly to San Diego, fold up the wings, and fly and drive to your hotel. Next year. <laughs> That's actually a real thing. That next year, you know, if I wanted to buy one of these flying cars. Now, I, of course, would not buy a product uh, from China if I, if I have any alternatives. So I don't think I'm going to be buying a flying car from China. But Elon Musk, if you're listening, Elon, if you make me a flying car, I'll buy your flying car. I'll buy your flying car on day one. But I'm not going to buy a Chinese flying car. And if you do, well, you got some explaining. Um, all right, and I guess they can go 100 miles an hour. Actually, that's not very much, is it? So it can fly at speeds of 100 miles an hour. That's really slow. <laughs> the, the, actually, I'm not even sure there's much point of having an airplane if it only flies at 100 miles an hour. You kind of want, you kind of want 140, 160 to have yourself a proper airplane, a small plane, um, and that is what I wanted to talk about today. All right. 
Have I uh, missed any big topics? Have I offended anybody? Have I triggered anybody into cognitive dissonance? What else can I do for you? Yeah, as somebody's saying, going 100 miles an hour without any traffic and without the winding of, of roads, if you could go 100 miles an hour directly to your destination, yeah, that'd be pretty good. But you also have to navigate an airport and, and that stuff. High performance is 160 miles per hour, somebody's saying in the comments. That sounds about right, yeah. The, the pits, P-I-T-T-S, I think they'll go about 160. All right, that's all for now, and I will... Chinese cannons on islands near Japan? What? I better look into that. I haven't heard about it. Talk to you later. All right. Uh, how is closing the Keystone Pipeline supposed to help the planet? Somebody asked me on here. Well, good question. Uh, you believe the Lou Dobbs fake news? Yeah, that, that was fake news. Uh, the, the headline that I read, it was funny fake news, so I read it anyway, about uh, the Kinzinger relatives saying that uh, they disappointed God and Lou Dobbs. Uh, the headline was actually misleading. They did talk about Lou Dobbs and they did talk about disappointing God, but the headline put those two ideas together. Yeah, 100 miles an hour with no traffic is still a pretty good deal. That's true. I see you. Thank you for that $2. All right. Um, so the other attorney, Vander Hearn, was a Trump-hating uh, Democrat. Yeah, you know, I was going to say this in the live stream, that people don't always understand that lawyers are not really working for the client all the time. Meaning that if you're a defense lawyer, on paper, you're working for your client, and of course you're going to do what's in the best interest of the client. But really, you're not working for the client. You're working for the country and for the Constitution, if you're a defense lawyer. And that's why defense lawyers can so easily defend somebody that's like an obvious guilty serial killer or whatever, because they're not defending the client. I mean, technically they are, and they're getting paid by the client, and they do have to do what the client requires them to do within ethical bounds. But they're not really working for the client. They're working for the country, because we need a system that does that. Somebody's got to do the work. Like Somebody has to be that lawyer, or the system doesn't work. So I always say when I see like uh, Trump's lawyers, they're personally they probably don't vote for him, but all all the more to call them patriots, because if you can be a lawyer who doesn't like the client and still does a bang up job, well that's that's for the benefit of the country. So thank you, so thank you to Trump's lawyers who did a great job for the country, for the Constitution, and if Trump's happy with them, that's all the better. All right. Um, uh, that's all for now and I'll talk to you tomorrow